Welcome to InScope, the healthcare security podcast. Each episode, we bring you interviews, technical tips, and a unique point of view on the challenges facing the ever-changing healthcare ecosystem. Here's your host, Mike Murray. Welcome back to our conversation with the FDA's Suzanne Schwartz and Kevin Fu. I'm Phil, producer of InScope, the healthcare security podcast. Please enjoy the conclusion of this two-parter, where Mike, Suzanne, and Kevin discuss the important topic of ransomware. We've managed to get a long way into this conversation, and not one of us has uttered the word of the day, which is ransomware, because that seems to be the word on everybody's lips the last six months. How do you all see your role in helping the scourge that is ransomware these days? Let me just begin with, I view ransomware as more of a symptom rather than the problem itself. It's a symptom of security designs that uh, I think uh, ought to have been a little more innovative and creative in getting ahead of, of the adversary because ransomware as a concept has been possible since the beginning of time. It only has recently become actualized in, in the form of organized crime. So I think if we focus purely on, it's important to address the ransomware problem, but I think it's also more important to figure out, well, what are the root causes because there's going to be future malware that comes out that might not even be ransomware in the future. And we want to be able to uh, eliminate those to really cut off the branches that are going to give growth to um, even larger problems down the line. But definitely, it's a huge problem today. And Kevin, you know, obviously approaching this from a really academic and technical, deep technical perspective, which I can really appreciate, the hat I wear is more faces, what do we need to do in terms of creating greater public awareness around some of the concerns that we see with ransomware attacks. And we've had discussions internally around the need for a new information campaign to raise situational awareness very much along the lines of what we did back in the earlier days of 2013-14 around medical device cybersecurity. You know, that in this case with ransomware, this is not merely, oh, IT systems being impacted. Oh, well, you know, what are we going to do? But rather, what are the implications? What are the consequences with respect to, in healthcare, the delivery of care? Or how does this affect disruption of ability to deliver patient care? And that's just not getting the kind of attention that it needs to get today. We talk about cybersecurity being a patient safety issue. Can't hammer that home enough. And ransomware attacks on hospitals, on healthcare facilities where systems are tied up and therefore down, not only are devices potentially not available to be utilized, but because the electronic systems that carry data may not be accessible, the ability for clinicians to understand exactly who the patient is that's in front of them, what's their past medical history, what are the medications that they're on, what are they allergic to, et cetera, et cetera. You can see how that develops into a whole cascade of potential adverse events if clinicians don't have the kind of access that's necessary to these systems. And this is playing itself out 
in various ransomware attacks that we have seen over the past year. It's not getting the kind of attention that a colonial pipeline attack or attack on the meatpacking industry has occurred, I think, because those are real tangibles in terms of how it affects the individual. But in the case of healthcare systems being attacked, only if you were there, only if you were directly involved, would you perhaps have any sense of oh my, what does this mean for the patients that we take care of here? Or for me as a patient or as a caregiver of a patient, oh no, what if I need to go to the hospital and I need access to a CT scan emergently or an MRI in order to determine what's going on for my doctor to enable immediate treatment intervention and those systems are not working, they're down. We do see the importance of raising awareness around ransomware attacks within healthcare and creating that bridge or that link between this is not just simply an IT matter, but understanding the cyber physical consequences, you know, the operational aspects of it and how that translates into availability of delivery of care. I have a story to tell around that that I that I've never told publicly that I think and I've never told either of you that I think you'll find very interesting. A member of the Scope team recently, her wife was having a baby and they were going to have a home birth and they ended up having to to take an ambulance to the hospital. Everything was fine, but they they had to go have the birth monitored with with medical devices. And while they were in the back of the ambulance, the ambulance attendant said, "You're really lucky you're going to this hospital because the other hospital in our town is shut down." And the nurses don't know how to work the old style medical devices anymore. And that the thing that, that you reminded me of this, Suzanne, is as you were talking about those devices being down, we have 15 years of doctors and nurses and, and you know, physicians assistants being used to the new style connected medical devices with technology where you can just pull up the patient's records on the screen. And it's not just a matter of the systems are shut down, but people don't remember how to do medical care on paper when they haven't been doing that for almost 20 years, if they were ever trained on it at all. It's so fascinating to think about the actual consequences, but there are real life consequences to this stuff that, like you said, it gets on the news when gas prices go up or meat prices go up, but it's not tangible enough for most people to understand. Yep. I mean, I am a physician myself. I guess kind of uh, traverse that period of time, you know, especially as a surgeon having dealt with a lot of trauma where with all the infusion pumps, well, IVs, I should call them, not even infusion pumps, you measured, you knew by how to kind of dial it up what the rate, what the fluid rate was of what you were administering. That's just not the way medication or fluids are delivered today with electronic and automated, you know, pumps that you calibrate and you punch in your numbers that are computer driven. So, yes, when you say, you know, especially the newer providers that are you know, coming out of training and all when various systems then are not available, is there even the memory or the ability to go back to what I would call more now, more like austere types of conditions, right? Which makes the point for why 
and this ties us back or loops us back into ransomware attacks as well, the importance that we think of exercises being done, tabletop exercises, other kinds of functional exercises that healthcare institutions should do together with their local, you know, departments of public health. The federal government is certainly willing and desiring to participate in those kinds of scenarios so that you know, and, and industry will as well, just so that you can play out different types of attacks and figure out exactly how you're going to continue your operations during that period of time. And that really cuts to the, the topic of OT or operational technology as well, which is called out uh, specifically in, in the presidential uh, executive order. And Tabletop exercises for IT and OT will have some relationship for cybersecurity, but there, there are fundamental differences because of that often the closed-loop control of diagnosis and therapeutics. Absolutely. And, and it's funny that we're talking about state coordination because I was recently, recently talking to the CyberMed guys, uh, Christian and Jeff, and they made a point that I hadn't thought of before, which is that, that those tabletops for a given hospital can't just involve that one hospital, because if that hospital is down, and Suzanne, you said this to me yesterday when we were chatting, that hospital being down doesn't just affect that hospital, but all of the other hospitals in the region where they're diverting patients to and involving medical providers at other places and other in other parts of the the region, the attack spreads not like a cyber attack, but it actually has regional impact. And that that's a very different thing than most other types of traditional cyber attacks. A hundred percent agree. It is. And that's where you can take some lessons learned or pages out of other types of more kind of natural disaster events that are kind of localized to regions where those are exercised regularly and uh, regions that are very affected know the routine, but it gets to what happens when one or two hospitals are not available or you know, diverting patients and the surge ends up elsewhere. And I think what makes this really that much more complicated as well is not only do you have surge going elsewhere, but if your systems, the primary systems that were affected are not working, then it's difficult to pass on to the accepting institutions information that's relevant to the care of those patients because it's also not accessible. So that just adds a different level of complexity versus, you know, kind of your hurricane affecting an area and one can retrieve the electronic records and provide them even as paper or whatever, but you can, you can provide that to the receiving institution. Absolutely. So, all right, I don't want to keep you all forever. And I too could talk about this all this for hours with both of you. But where can the world find more of both of you? I'm going to throw it to Kevin first. Kevin, where, you know, what are you up to in the next few months? Are you speaking anywhere? Do you have anything cool going on? Where can where can we find you on social media? Tell the world if, if the world wants more Kevin Fu, where do they get it? Oh, well, probably the, the best place would be LinkedIn for uh, little announcements uh, about uh, articles or uh, upcoming conferences. There's going to be some activity involving uh, FDA, a number of people from FDA at um, the Biohacking Village associated with uh, DEF CON uh, next month in August. There are, I would say, my, my speaking, as well as the speaking of many people in, in OST, are spread across 
disease-specific organizations. Uh, you've got clinical engineering types of organizations. You've got trade associations. You've got pure sort of cybersecurity groups. So there, there's so many different places. So I, I'd say it would really depend upon the audience member. But I'm certainly trying to spend much more time on the, the clinical side where there's going to be um, persons in the audience who are less familiar with medical device security and need, um, need an introduction. And part of that is sort of dispelling the, the hoodie hacker and sort of bringing it up to sort of reality check of what's really going on today and what are some of the root causes and what can, can an individual in an HDO or a manufacturer do about it. And Suzanne, what about if the world wants more Suzanne Schwartz, where do we find you? <laughs> well, first off, people can always reach out to me at my FDA address. That's, you know, open door, welcome mat. You know, people shouldn't hesitate to reach out to me through FDA. I am on LinkedIn as well. And I really do try to post new either events or new products that new work products that we're putting out or announcing any workshops or meetings that we'll be having on LinkedIn as well. I'll be speaking at HIMSS coming up. I won't be there in person, uh, but hopefully as you know, the months go by and we are able to resume more conference participation, there'll be opportunities for, you know, for more networking and meeting up in person. For now, it's got to stay a little bit more virtual, but that should not be at all a limitation on, on people finding me. I always like to hear from folks as well. By the way, everyone, she actually means it. She does respond. I, I know this because I think that's how, how I really got connected with Suzanne when I was back in the way old days. So she actually does love to talk to people and, and it's really cool. Thank you both for, for spending so much time with us today. That was an absolute blast. And you know you're always welcome, both of you, anytime that you want to come hang out uh, on our podcast. But thanks again for being here today and for telling us all this interesting stuff. Thank you for giving us this opportunity, Mike. It's always a pleasure. Always. Thanks, Kevin. You're welcome, Mike. Thanks for joining us for this episode of InScope. To make sure you never miss an episode, hop on over to www.scopesecurity.com to sign up. Or you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And if you have ideas for topics, guests, or technical tips, please contact us at podcast at scopesecurity.com.